Our scripture reading this evening is found in 1 John chapter 2. We'll read the first 17 verses. Our text is found in verses 3 through 6. 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That far we read in God's holy inspired word. May God bless that word to our hearts. The text that we consider this evening is found in verses 3 through 6 of this second chapter. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. 
And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that you know God? And does that show itself in a life of thankfulness? Does that show itself in a desire to keep not just some of the commandments of God, but all of the commandments of God? And most people, if we ask that question in the church world, would say, yes, I know God. But then my next question is, well, how do you know that you know God? And some might simply answer, well, I just know. And maybe they are someone who is walking in sin and refuses to repent of their sin. And they simply say, well, I just know that I know God. Well, to be sure, the Holy Spirit does witness with our spirits that we are children of God. But how is it that the Holy Spirit witnesses to our spirits? What does he use? And the text gives the answer. Hereby. We do know that we know him. By this, we know that we know him. By what means do we know that we have come to know God? What's the evidence that we have come to know God? Can we see that evidence in ourselves? And the text gives that answer. Yes, we can. By the fact that we keep God's commandments. The text, of course, is not saying that in keeping God's commandments, we earn anything for ourselves, but it is saying, here is a test that shows whether or not you know God. If we know God and we know Jesus Christ, it cannot be otherwise, but that we will keep the commandments of God. We will show forth our thankfulness to God for all that he has done. So I want to treat that text under the theme, knowing that 
we know God. Let's first note the meaning of that. Secondly, the proof that we know God. And lastly, the explanation. How do all those things fit together? When you and I say that we know God, we're not just saying that we know about God because there are many people The whole world of unbelievers knows about God. Romans 1 verse 20 says that the things of God are clearly seen in the creation. They see all of the wonders of creation and they know that there is a God and they know that that God must be worshipped. They know about God. And that knowledge about God leaves them without excuse. So there are many who know about God. But they don't know Him. I might know about the governor of Colorado. I might know even about his policies. I don't. But let's say I did. I might have certain opinions about his policies. I might know all kinds of things about him, but I don't know him. I don't know him personally. And that's what the text is talking about when it speaks of our knowledge of God. Hereby we know that we know Him, or that we have come to know Him. And now if you look at the context, that context shows He is speaking about fellowship and friendship with God. Chapter 1 that we read this morning speaks of that fellowship. Verse 3 That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The context is talking about knowing God in that personal way, having fellowship with God. And then if you read through 1 John, you find that that theme of fellowship carries on through the book, through the whole letter. Another example, 1 John 4 verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. There's the context of loving one another. But it also implies a certain love to God. And everyone that loves is born of God. And knoweth God. So the idea of knowing God is connected with being born of Him. Being born again 
given that eternal life, if you and I are born of God, if we have been given that life, then we also know Him. You've heard, I'm sure many of you have heard that phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that, of course, applies in a multitude of different circumstances. But we could apply that in the church. There might be someone with all kinds of theological facts stored up in their heads. They might be able to spell it all out. The ordo salutis, the order of salvation. They might have all those things memorized but they might not know God. I've had people in previous congregations that grew up, memorized the Heidelberg Catechism, and then left the church. Not just for another church of Jesus Christ, but left the church altogether, despised God in His Word. They had the facts, but they did not know God. Nothing in the whole world could be as important as knowing God personally. It's who you know that is the most important. And now we could look at the Jews in Jesus' day. They said they knew God. They said that God was their God. But what did Jesus say to the Jewish leaders? He says to them, you have not known Him. Saying to them, you don't have eternal life. Eternal life is to know God. And to know God is eternal life. John 17 verse 3. Jesus says this just before he went to the cross. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee. The only true God and Jesus Christ. Whom thou hast sent. To know God is to have fellowship with God. What a wonderful thing to know God, to have him as our friend sovereign and we as his friend servants. But now the question is, how do you know that you know him? It's one thing to know him, according to the text. It's another thing to know that you know him. It's one thing to have money in the bank to make a certain purchase, if I want to, say, buy a new car. It's another thing to know that I have enough money in the bank to make that, that purchase. It's one thing to have eternal life. It's another thing to know that we have eternal life. The Apostle is talking about 
knowing that we know him. Hereby we know that we know him. And you find that theme again throughout the book of 1 John. 1 John 3 verse 19 we read, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And so the apostle is talking about a certain conviction and persuasion that we have in our hearts that we can say, I know that I know him. I know that God is my friend. Maybe even in the midst of trials and difficulties, we can say, but I know that God is for me. That assumes, when we talk about that knowledge, that conviction and persuasion, that assumes there are degrees of persuasion. Not everyone has the same strength in their hearts, the strength of persuasion. When God, for example, told Gideon that he was going to use Gideon to deliver the Israelites, Gideon, in the weakness of his faith, was not fully persuaded. His faith was weak, so he asked for a sign. So that God would strengthen his faith. The man who came to Jesus with his son said, I believe, help thou my unbelief, because his faith was yet weak. And so it is, beloved, as regards our knowing God. There are different degrees of persuasion. Do you know? Are you absolutely persuaded that you know God? The fifth head of the canons talks about that persuasion in the hearts of God's people. And even though you and I have true faith, we still might struggle with doubts. The devil may put those doubts into our hearts, when, especially when we stumble in great sin. The devil may say, you see that? You could not be a child of God and commit that sin. The devil will plant doubts in our hearts so that we might not always be sensible, as the, canon puts, the canons puts it. We might not always be sensible of the full assurance of faith. But the text assumes that it is possible to know that we know God. This ought to be the normal experience of the child of God, that we know that we know Him. But then the question is, how? How can you and I know that we know God? That's an important question, beloved, because there are many people who say, I know God. There are many people who say, I believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. I believe everything that God says in His Word. 
about us and about himself. I believe those things. They say, many people will say, Jesus is Lord. But not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says, I know God, actually knows God. Jesus himself says in Matthew 7, Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And there you see a connection with the doing of God's will. We'll speak of that more in a moment. He goes on, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus is talking about hypocrites. And the apostle also in our text is speaking of hypocrites. In verse 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. They say they are believers, but they don't have a true personal knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. And outwardly, they look, they look like believers. They might look like they have fellowship with God. But there are hypocrites who put on a show. They're part of the church. But ultimately, the reason that they are part of the church is to serve themselves. There's some benefit for themselves. Well, how can you tell? How can you tell that someone is a hypocrite? That's what the apostle declares in verse 4. They say they know him, but if they do not keep his commandments, they are liars, <clears throat> and the truth is not in him. Hypocrites don't know God at all. They know about God, but they do not know God personally. Well, how can you and I know that we are not hypocrites? There are God's children who sometimes wonder, how do I know? And maybe young people ask that question. How do I know that I know God, that I have a personal relationship with God? How can we know? And the answer is by looking at the proof of God's gracious work within us. 
the apostle's first concern is not detecting hypocrites in our midst. Hypocrites can put on a very good show, but the apostle's first concern is that we ourselves be able to know that we know God. How do we know that we know God? By this. That's the text. That we keep His commandments. And here we have to be careful to understand what the apostle is saying. Someone might read that and say, but I don't keep the commandments. Now are you saying that I don't know God? I have broken all of the commandments. Does that mean I don't know God? So we have to understand what the apostle is saying in our text. What does he mean when he says, if we keep his commandments? What does the apostle mean? You know, I think even the children can understand if I refer to a shepherd keeping his sheep. What does it mean that a shepherd keeps his sheep? It means that the shepherd keeps watch over his sheep. It means that he observes his sheep very carefully. It means that he pays great attention to his sheep. He guards his sheep. A shepherd keeps his sheep when he has a special regard for those sheep in order to provide for them. A person, a child of God, keeps the Sabbath day when he has a special regard for that day in order to set that day aside for the worship of God and other holy exercises. And so too, you and I keep God's commandments when we have a special regard for those commandments. In order that we might obey them, we truly want to obey them. The text assumes that we keep God's commandments. I know sometimes we can speak a certain way and say we don't keep the commandments. And what we mean is we do not keep them perfectly. All of the commandments, we fall short as regards all of them. And yet according to the text, we keep them. When we have a special regard for them, we want to obey the law of God. Certainly we do not keep them perfectly. But if we know God with a saving knowledge, if he has given to us the new life of Christ, if he has brought us into covenant fellowship with himself, then we will keep his commandments. 
And when we have that regard for God's commandments, then we will speak like the psalmist does. We find so many places throughout the Psalms where the psalmist proclaims, Oh, how love I thy law. And that love for the law is a keeping, is having a special regard for that law. That's the text, beloved. When you keep God's commandments and when I keep God's commandments, when we have that regard for God's commandments, that is proof that we can see within ourselves that we know God. We cannot judge the hearts of others. I can't see inside the heart of someone else, maybe someone like a David who has stumbled badly, committing adultery and murder. I can't see in his heart, but God does give to us that we can see in our hearts a love for God's law so that we know that we know him. What's the explanation for that link? How is it to be explained that keeping God's commandments, and now I'm speaking of keeping them from the heart, I'm talking about having that special regard, not just someone who puts on a show, but how can it be explained that keeping God's commandments proves to ourselves that we know God. And the explanation is that when God works a mighty work in our hearts, when He works miraculously to give us the life of Christ, sends forth the Spirit into our hearts to regenerate us, when God works that work, he also, by that work, causes us to know God. Well, there's the first part of that mighty work of God to save us. He causes us to know God. He rescues us from the power of darkness, brings us into the kingdom of His dear Son brings us willingly into the kingdom of His dear Son. He illumines our minds by His Holy Spirit so that we understand the things of God as they are found in the Word of God. He softens our hardened hearts. I'm just taking the description that the canons uses in the third and fourth head, article 11, he softens our hearts, he infuses new qualities into our wills. And now what's going to be the result of that? When God does this marvelous work of regeneration and does all those things to us by his mighty power, what's going to be the result of that? 
Well, when he makes us new creatures in Jesus Christ, when he makes us good trees, as the canons puts it, well, then we will bear good fruit. That is, the fruit of good actions. When God brings us into saving fellowship with himself, we don't bring ourselves, this is the work of God. When he does that, then we will also keep his commandments. That's the word of God in our text. If we know him, we will keep his commandments. Or we could put it this way. God loves us with an everlasting love. He loved us when he chose us in Jesus Christ. He loved us when he sent his son into the world to die for us and to redeem us. There is redemption accomplished. But then he also applies that redemption to us. In his love, he sheds that love abroad into our hearts. He regenerates us and adopts us to be his children. And what's going to be the result of God's love towards us? Is it just going to leave us in our sins? So that we are no different from the reprobate wicked? I've heard people say that before. We're no different from the wicked. Well, I say we are vastly different. We have the life of Christ. And when God works that wonderful work, when he pours out his love into our hearts, what will be the result? We will love God. We love God because he first loved us. Now, children, what is the summary of the law? What one word summarizes the whole law of God? You know which word summarizes the whole law of God? We read it every Lord's Day. We summarize it every Lord's Day. Love. Love to God and love to our neighbor for God's sake. The mighty power of God that loved us is the explanation for our love to God. And now I could say, how do I know that God loves me, that he loved me? Because I love him. I can see that work in my heart that he has worked, that I love him. I want to keep his commandments, not perfectly. I don't love him perfectly. I don't keep his commandments perfectly. But by God's grace, I do love him. That's the first explanation. God's powerful love towards us in Jesus Christ. Well, not only is God's love the power that saves us and works in us, but also that same love is the motivation that drives us to keep God's commandments. 
If one, someone says, I don't want to keep that commandment of God. I refuse to keep that commandment of God. That person will have a difficult time knowing that they know God. Thankfulness drives us to keep the commandments of God. John points to that in verse 6 of our text. He says, He that saith, he abideth in him, that is, he abides in Christ and in God. He that saith, I abide in him, ought also, or ought himself also, so to walk, even as he walked, as Christ walked. He that saith, I abide in him. I have been brought into fellowship with God. Ought also himself so to walk. We owe it to God. That's bound up in the word ought. We owe it to God. Not that we have to pay God something so that he pays us something in return. But we're talking about the debt of gratitude that we owe to God. It really is that simple. If we love him, if we love our God, we will keep his commandments. It's impossible to love God apart from keeping his commandments. And that's the idea of verse 5 of our text. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. Our love towards God is perfected. That is, our love to God reaches its goal when it expresses itself in the keeping of God's commandments. Love wants to show forth our thankfulness. Love wants to show forth thankfulness for everything that God has done for us, we who are absolutely undeserving, we who deserve to be cast out of God's presence, but now who have been taken into friendship and fellowship with God, love wants to show forth our thankfulness, to walk in obedience. Now, if someone doesn't have that motivation, that's going to be very difficult to get them to walk in obedience. If they don't have the motivation of thankfulness for what God has done for us, then the law becomes a burden. But when we are thankful, 
then we say, I don't just want to keep one or two of God's commandments. I want to keep all of the commandments of God. Do you know God? And do I know God, beloved? Do we see in ourselves a great regard for God's commandments? That we want to keep all of them out of thankfulness for what he has done. May God grant that knowledge to us to a greater and greater degree. To the praise of his name. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, we give thee thanks that thou hast caused us to know thee. We pray that thou wouldst cause us also to see more and more the evidence that we truly are thy children. May we know that we know thee. And may we show that we know thee. We need thy grace to strengthen us. So go with us, we pray. Forgive us where we have fallen short. Lead and guide us by thy spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.